Well, good evening. Uh, if you're here for the first time, welcome to our 5 p.m. service. If you're in the room, welcome. If you're watching online, welcome as well. Here at HSM, we believe that we exist to disciple you to live and love like Jesus. And we are jumping into a three-week series called The Invite. And these are steps towards evangelism. If you've not met us, uh, if you've not, we've not met before, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve as a high school pastor. And it's a joy to see all's faces tonight. What I'm asking you guys to do is, if you guys have Bibles, to please open them to Romans chapter 10, 13 through 15, and then if we have another finger or if we have like a little like digital Bible or whatever, we're going to jump into another set of scriptures in Romans 1, 16 through 17. So two scriptures, Romans 10, 13 through 15, and Romans 1, 16 through 17. And this scripture in 10, 13 through 15 reads as so. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Did we read that together? What does it say? Everyone, not one person, not two people. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this sermon series is called The Invite. And what we're trying to put before you is that you are being called by God himself to partner with him to invite people into the kingdom of God. And tonight specifically, we're talking about the gospel. Because you're not inviting people just to church. You're not inviting people just to camp. You're not inviting people just to your small group. You're not just inviting people to a summer night. No, you're inviting them to jump into relationship with the God of the universe. You're inviting them to experience the power of the gospel. And if you guys have been invited to anything, maybe a birthday party or to ice cream or to in and out after the service or there's things that happen after service. It's like, let's go hang out. Do it. We're about that life, right? But the thing is this. Invitations are a strong thing. They are saying that you are wanted. Invitations say that you are wanted. Invitations say that we want you to be a part of our community. They say that we value you. We see something in you. And what God has done for us in Jesus is that Jesus has been the best or the greatest inviter that's a word, of all time. Like he has invited the whole world. Every single person in this room and beyond has been brought into this relationship, has been invited to come into a space where they can experience the love of God. And he's called us to respond the same way. See, Jesus does things like this where he goes out of his way to find a lady in a town called Samaria. Like literally he says, I must go to Samaria. And meets this woman who is an adulterer. And she, he finds her at a well in the middle of the afternoon. For you guys are like, what does that mean? See, I grew up in Uganda. And in Uganda what happens is this. In the village, your home is really far from the well. It's far from the well. And typically if you're going to get water, you'd go in the mornings and the evenings because it is cool. It's not hot. And so this lady is going in the middle of the afternoon to go get herself cooled off with water. And then Jesus finds her there and has this interaction with her. But Jesus spends time with a woman who most people have thrown to the side. Jesus goes and finds Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. At his time in Israel, he's a traitor to his people. If you've ever been backstabbed, you've ever been put to the side, like this is Zacchaeus. He's someone who is a liar and a cheat. 
And yet Jesus says, I must go to your house and have a meal. Jesus, as an inviter, as an evangelist, like you and I, spends time seeking out people that most people, most humans, most communities would totally ignore. He goes and finds these fishermen. And for you guys who are maybe unfamiliar with the story, in Matthew chapter 4, what happens is this. Jesus goes to this town called like Galilee. It's where he was born, right? He goes out and he finds these fishermen by the seaside. Now, you might be like, they're just fishermen. But this is what's happening. In the Jewish culture, if you reach a certain age, you would take a test. If you pass a test, you could become a priest, which everyone wanted to be, right? But all these men failed, and so what happens is you begin to take the job of your father. If your father was a fisherman, you become a fisherman. If your father was a carpenter, you become a carpenter. If your father was a cobbler, you guys know what a cobbler is? Shoes? Oh, y'all went to school. Praise God. Right? Like, he, these are people who, if you fail that test, that's what happens to you. And so what happens is this. He goes out and finds these men who failed the bar, who are low level. They're fishermen. They're not even just farmers. They're fishermen. They go out, smell like fish, come back all day. And he goes and seeks them out, and he says this to them. He says, Mark 1.17, he says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. See, we're called not to just follow Jesus, but to become people who are fishers of men. See, in this call that God is calling us to as believers, it's not just a command, it also has purpose. See, when God calls you to himself, when God calls you to his side, he does two things. One, he gives you identity and he gives you purpose. He gives you identity and what? Purpose. Thank you. Two things. And he wants us to move beyond this idea of just being, I'm just going to follow and just be here and just hang out and worship to my worship song. And as your love wave after wave crashes over me, like he was, okay, that's great. That's awesome. Take that love and go do and give that to other people. Go invite them and bring them into the kingdom. We are called not just to follow, but also to fish, to be fishers of men. And if you're, any of you guys have ever gone fishing before, I do not enjoy fishing, but this is what happens when you go fishing. The few times that I've gone, oh, man, I really don't like fishing. Anyway, this is what happens. You go out there and you sit on your boat or the edge of the pier or wherever you guys have your legal licenses to fish, right? Because you guys all fish with licenses. Okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, you go out there and you actually know what kind of fish you're trying to go after, right? And so if you're trying to fish for a particular kind of fish, like a halibut or snapper or you can tell I don't fish right like you have particular things that you put out for particular kinds of fish like you're familiar with the area and I would say it this way you know your friends or you should know your friends well enough to know what's going to be a help for them essentially everyone needs the power of the gospel but you know specifically how they need to be loved because you are part of their lives and so like that we are to be intensive and intentional with these people when I was about, what, 12 or uh, 11, uh, there was two friends of mine, uh, Kevin and Herbert. So Kevin and Herbert, these are like my best friends. Um, at the time of my wedding, Kevin was in Canada, and he couldn't come back for my wedding, but I would have had two best men for my wedding, literally. Like, great guys, amazing. Some of you guys who went to Uganda on the mission team met uh, Herbert. Great guy. But these two guys invited me to youth group. And I think because of their consistency and their persistence and their love for me, I am who I am today. 
because I, I'm sure I was a pastor's kid. Sure, I'd been a part of all this churchy stuff. Sure, I was comfortable with, like, I knew all the things to say, but I had not really committed until someone said, hey, come be a part of this with me. And so I want to encourage you guys that you have the opportunity to affect people's lives by inviting them, not just to church, but to experience the power of the gospel. So we're going to ask you guys a series of five questions tonight, right? And first, the first question is this. When was the last time you invited someone to church, right? With a statistic that says that at least 80% of the people in the church were invited, meaning like you are here in this room because someone invited you, right? Someone said, hey, let's go check out this church. Hey, let's go check out this air conditioning. Like, let's go check out this worship. Like, whatever it was, you're like, oh, my God. Some of you guys, if you're honest, you're in this room because someone said, yo, there's this dame here. She's the business. Like, you were like, hey, there's this dude. Like, this is where we are. Let's be real amongst friends, right? Some of you guys are here because someone said, after here, you're going to go get some food. Like, okay, you're like, you're here for the food. And you're like, there's pizza. Praise God, pizza. I'm like, it's the best. Costco, oh my gosh. Right, that's, that's where we are in that space. Right, so some of us have been invited for different reasons. But ultimately, you've been invited. Now imagine if you weren't invited. Where would you be? Home? Alone? Sad? It's getting really depressing. Anyway, the point is this, the point is this, right? You've been invited into this community, into this space, and because you have been, now you have the opportunity to experience the love of God. It is literally the mission of the church to make disciples. Like, that's what we're doing here. We're not here to spend time to make you guys laugh, to make you guys just be like, oh my gosh, I felt so good. I felt the spirit. No, it's beyond just the feeling of the spirit. We are here to make disciples. And if you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was enlisting to the army. Praise God. <laughs> Welcome to the army. Like, this is what's happening. You're being discipled to live and love like Jesus. In Romans 10, 13 through 15, it says this, and I underlined it in my, in my notes there. Um, I would encourage you guys to tear up your Bible, write in it, underline, do all the things, and underline this word. It says feet. Now, if you guys are people who have feet, I mean, y'all have feet, right? Cool. Um, like, I don't like people touching my feet. Just, I'm just being real with you, right? It's not my jam. Dude, stay away from my toes. I don't like it, right? But it says this, that beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, he's not saying that y'all have beautiful feet or, like, when you get to heaven, you have to have, like, manicures or pedicures or whichever goes up and down. I don't know, like, whichever is on the top and the bottom, right? He's not saying that. What he's saying is this. He's saying that, those who carry the gospel, those who embody the truth of, of the gospel, those who spend time inviting are living out the faith of God the way it's supposed to be. This is a Christian life. This is the, what the Bible calls the great commission, to go out and to make disciples. And God wants to partner with you. That's wild. I would not pick me in a thousand years, honestly. I mean, look at me, guys, really. Like, I would not pick me, but he said, Aaron, this is the call on your life. To go and make disciples, to be a person who invites people. And this is your call as well. In the words of uh, this man called Billy Graham, he says, it is actually the Holy Spirit's job to convict God's job to judge and my job to love. You may ask yourself, what is my role in this mix? It's this. 
literally to embody the love of Jesus. And one of those ways is to invite people to be a part of this community. It's not complicated. It's a matter of saying, do I know you? Do I know you enough? Do I want to love you enough to bring you into the fold of the believers? Two, second question. What motivates you? Right? What is the motivation for Paul, especially in this scripture, to invite people into the body? Romans 1, 16 through 17, he says this, For I am not ashamed. He is not ashamed of the gospel. So the word shame has a weight to it. It carries the lack of confidence in something. Meaning if you have lack of confidence in something, you have confidence in something else. To hate is to love. To love is to hate. Whatever you say you vehemently love, you have something that you're saying no to. To say yes to something is to say no to something else. And he's saying that he is courageous. He is bold to share the gospel. He's not ashamed of it. He's confident in it. And this gospel takes courage to share. Why? Because people don't want to hear it. The Bible says in Matthew that the world was covered in darkness. And people who have been living in darkness have seen a great light. And some people saw that light and rejected it. Why? Because they loved darkness. You might be like, dude, like, that's, that sounds pretty dark. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. It's just a dad joke. Anyway, the one is this. Like, that sounds really, really, really dark. But the reality is this. People do not, do not want this God. They don't want to have relationship with him. And that's the reality. It's going to be difficult. In some cases, even dangerous. If you want, after the service, you can come to me and you can get, sit down and I'll give you a list of books. Some of them have been rotating within our youth group for the past few months. And these are books of people who've been living as missionaries. These are like YWAM stories of people living as missionaries. And some people have been killed for their faith. Some people were actually slaughtered for their faith. It takes courage to share the gospel. And this confidence is not coming from our own, it comes from God. It says, Paul says that he was unashamed or confident in the power of the gospel, not in his own strength, not in his wisdom, meaning you don't have to be particularly articulate to share the gospel. Like, you don't have to be like a seminarian or have gone to some Bible school. Like, do you believe that God is real? Do you believe that God has saved you? Then yes, you've been called to share this gospel. So Paul places this high value on the gospel, this high value on this thing that saves men, that, re that redeems sinners back to a righteous God. The gospel is therefore centered around Jesus Christ. When you invite people to church, when you invite people to your summer nights or summer camp, the Bible calls it this way. It's what Paul calls it. He says, we are deceivers yet true. Okay, that's what he says. To be a deceiver yet true. My, my, my real motive in like actually like spinning a ton of cotton candy or as some people who are fancier than me call it fairy floss on a summer night is not to give you a sugar high, okay? I, that's not my plan, right? You could eat a, we could go get hamburgers from Smart and Final and do it at the beach. Let's be real, right? Like you could go somewhere else and have a guy pay a guy 10 bucks with a guitar. He will not sound like Jacob Wood. I'll tell you that right now, right? But, but and still have music. Like this, that's just what's happening. What's happening here is we're trying to convince you, to encourage you to create spaces where people hear the gospel and respond in repentance. 
because we are passionate about people and people seeing the life of Jesus. What motivates you in inviting people? Do you want people to have peace of God? Because in Christ there is hope. In Christ there is identity. In Christ we are satisfied. In Christ he is our salvation. In Christ is everything. Is everything. There's nothing else except Christ. That's why we're here. We're not here playing games, all right? We're not playing games. We're here to make disciples. And my hope and prayer is that we do not have a people who come here week after week and then we end up having a crisis Christianity. Like literally week after week after week, Jacob and I sit down uh, and when we plan our like worship sets, we want to make sure that these songs are talking about the gospel. Not just the love of God. That's, that's great. And the love of God is great. But what does that mean? What does the love of God do for you? And so you'd see even today, if you, go, if you guys pay attention to the songs that have come out recently, right? How many songs are really singing about the love of Christ and who Christ is and what he's done for us? They'll focus on other attributes and they'll miss the center of the gospel, which is Jesus. We do not want to have a crisis Christianity. And this happens in the book of Timothy. And Paul warns a young pastor, a young man uh, called Timothy. He says this. This is what it means to have a crisis Christianity, that you have a form of godliness but lack the power to make you godly. Like you're moral enough to a point, you know what to do to a point, you know what to say to a point, but you are not in and of yourself godly. You're not Christ-like. See, the end goal of your life is to, one, be like Jesus, to become like him to when you see and set your eyes upon him, that you become like the son of God. It says in 2 Timothy 3.7, continuing, that these are people who are always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. See, he doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to understand who we are and how we are to live. If you are a person who wants to dive into this deeper, read the book of Ephesians, only six chapters. The first three chapters are talking about who we are in Christ. The next four, five, and six are talking about what it means to live practically as believers. First three, who we are in Christ, four, five, six, what it means for us to live as these believers. And he says that he's not ashamed of this gospel. Why? What gives him more confidence in this, in this power, in this gospel? Third question. Well, this, actually. It's because it has power. This gospel has power. Like, honestly, I'm not giving you no money. You're not being paid. Like, what's really holding you in this room? Sure, we lock the doors. I mean, but you can, like, go out that way. You can go out that way. Like, you can just tackle me and, like, leave. I'm not saying I'm holding you again. This sounds so bad. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm not holding these children. It's not happening. They're here by their own will. Their parents know they're here. Praise God, right? Like nothing of that has happened. You are here of your own volition. But why? Really, why? It's because the gospel has power. And you've been experiencing it for weeks and for months. And for some people this morning, something just tugged on your heart and said, you need to be here. And here you are. The gospel has power. I'll ask you this question. What have you given power? What have you given that, that role, that authority over your life? And if you're wondering if the gospel has power, you're not sure, ask any of these leaders in this room. I kid you not. Any one of these people in this room will share testimony and take time to sit down with you and have a coffee and share with you how God, by his power, changed 
their lives. See, this gospel has power. See, the gospel has power to save anyone who believes. If you choose to believe, if you choose to trust him, he will save you. But it starts with that invitation of other people. See, for us, we have all kinds of motivations and things that we value, we will make time for, we will strive for. Like, how many of you guys have been to the movies recently, right? What'd you go see? What'd you go see? Thor Rag, my man. All right, hey, so that was that was, hey, it was fire. It was it was great. Who else saw Thor, right? All right, cool. So you guys saw Thor, cool. So, did you have to do something to go to that show? Like, did you have to sweep something, do some chores? Like, anyone chores? Yeah. Some people had to like what? Clean someone's shoes, wash a car, mow the lawn. Like, you were motivated. How many of you guys had had you went on a date recently, right? What did you have to do on that day? Some stuff. You got to do some stuff. And you, what, and I'll, you, y'all were motivated. You're like, we're going to do this today. Like, we, we make this happen. Like, you guys have these motivations and things that drive you, right? You have these motivations. And this is a reality. This is a reality. I only keep it a, I only keep it a buck. I only keep it 100 here, right? This is what's going on, right? I do not, like, play games. Y'all should know this by now, right? This is on the podcast, praise God. Like, this is it. Check it out. When we're motivated by things that we want and desire, we will make every effort to get to that point. It doesn't matter what it is. You make every effort to get to that point. And in this case, Paul's motivation was the salvation of sinners. So the question is, do you have a heart for the lost? Do you have a heart for people who do not know God? See, salvation of sinners was Paul's motivation. What is your motivation? Like, are you truly motivated by the loss of people? John 666. John 666. I know. John 66. I'm not going to be like person who raps. John 666. It says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. What does this mean? Jesus had just fed 5,000 plus people, crossed over the Lake of Galilee, like literally walked, you know, didn't Michael Jackson, hee hee, across. Then these people literally went all the way around because they saw or they heard that Jesus was there and he was going to give them bread. And he confronts them and says, hey, you are not here because you want me. You're here because of bread. You don't want me. Your motivation is not me. You want the things I give you, not me. This is a heart check for you. Like, where are you truly with God? Because once your motivations are aligned with the heart of God and all the other things, the, the what, the why, all those things fall into place correctly. And it says, after he challenged them to eat of his body and drink of his blood, meaning to live and love like him, to live self-sacrificially, they said, we don't want none of that. We don't want that. And he says his disciples, not followers, not random people, no, no. His disciples, people who said, I love you, I'm a part of you, I'll always be with you. They left him. Heart check, where are you with God? Where are you, God? What is truly motivating you? See, this gospel is not a, a gospel of self-will or self-help. The gospel puts us into right relationship with God. And that's why we always challenge you every week. Like, where are you with the Lord? Are you walking with him? Are you trusting him? Because as you are walking in your purpose with God, you can help people see who God 
is. And you, have, you must understand the weight of this role, the weight of this relationship. You've heard it said amongst many people that God hates what? God hates sin. God hates the sin, but, but loves the sinner, right? All right, check it out. Hot take, hot take. Pastor Aaron, hot take. False, not true. God does not, don't say ooh, come on, girl. Like, God does not love, like, only, or, like, let me back up. God does not only hate sin, he also hates the sinner. That's not just a hot take. This is, like, real scriptural. What I want you guys to understand is the weight of your salvation and what God has truly done for you. Because it says this in uh, Psalms 103.10, that we are worshiping a God who has done what? He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. It says in Psalms 5, 4 through 6, and this is the hot take that you guys were like, oh my gosh, ooh, it's not is it real, I don't know. That, that you are not a God who delights in wickedness. One, he does not delight in wickedness. Not delight in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. It doesn't matter what version you pull that in. It might be softer in the message, but guys, check it out. He hates all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies, the labor, and the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. This God hates both sinner and sin Equally, and there's a place set aside. How much does God hate both sin and the sinner? So much so that he has set aside a place for that. And so when you think about it honestly, this is the, this is the beauty of the gospel. That this righteous God who must judge sin and sinner can look at you no matter where you are from, what you've done, if you've been a liar, an adulterer, a thief, if you're a person who no one can trust and done a ton of wrong things, he says this, that he can first, one, forgive you of your sin, but also justify you as a sinner. Like this is the center of the gospel. This is the good news. What you're doing by inviting people to this body is saying you have a second chance. And what God has done in the order of life is literally show us that he's always giving us second chances. He's the God of second and third and fourth chances, which is why every morning the sun goes up and then the evening goes down. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. This God is a God of hope. And he reminds us even in day-to-day -day things of life that he wants to make us new which is why you work for six days and have a seventh day rest. So you can know that he is making a newness for us, a chance to trust him afresh. This God who hates both sin and sinner wants to forgive you of your sin and also redeem the sinner for the glory of his name. And this is good news. The gospel will always essentially draw people to Christ. And the words of Reinhard Bonnke, who was um, a great evangelist, he says that we are plundering hell to populate heaven. We are plundering hell to populate heaven. And so you and I can be passionate, passionately patient, because Jesus is passionate about people. 
What does this mean? Because sometimes you're going to ask these people, hey, y'all want to come to church? What are they going to say? Nah. <laughs> nah, my jam. Uh, is there a pizza? Maybe. Uh, pineapple pizza? Sinners. Just don't do that, right? <laughs> like, like, whatever it is, like, what, they may say next week, next month, whatever. Like, people have their reasons. They go back and forth. You might just hear a straight no. You might hear people actually just, like, cuss you out. There are people who have been, like, punched in the face, right, for doing something like, hey, you want to go to church? Boom. Just sock people out. I don't know why people be like that, but people be like that sometimes. But we can be passionately patient because Jesus is passionate about these people. Four, what are you persistent about, right? Some of you guys will be like, oh, it's hard. It's not going to happen. And so you're like, oh, I'm just going to stop. Dude, don't stop. Think about the pursuit of God in your life. If you're honest, and think about how far you've come from when God has been calling you. And now at this point, you can retro- retrospectively look back and be like, dude, that was God the whole time. And how he chased you and pursued you. And if God can do that for you, how much more can you do that for others? See, it says in John that we love because God first loved us. And so because we are people who have been loved, we can love fully. It says this. In Romans 1.17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. What this means is this. When you trust that what God did for you, he will do for others, you're living the life of faith. Like when you trust that God's going to do it. Because I just said it. We don't save people. But we can be obedient to this God and say, hey, I'm going to invite people. I'm going to try I'm going to make, like, stickers and just, like, be like, hey, come to my church. Just don't put, like, my, like, at on it or whatever. Just put your, you know, Jesus come to church, whatever. Like, you're going to make things happen, right? You're going to invite people to church however which way you're going to do it. Whether it's making stickers, whether it's going to be like, hey, uh, there's a summer camp going up. There's a summer night happening. Like, whatever way you're going to do it, you're going to make way to do so. But the question is, where have you placed your faith? Now, can I have this chair, please? Is that okay with you? Thank you. You're the best. Get up for my sister. Thank you so much. You know, oh, praise God. Thank you so much. Let's just sit down right here, right? Many of you guys came in vehicles today, I would imagine, right? Right? Vehicles? Now, you guys walked here? Who walked here? Y- y'all live at Oaks, okay? Like, y'all need to calm down, okay? This, this sermon is for you, but not for you, okay? You know what I'm trying to say? This question. All right, so if you came in a vehicle today, uh, you drove at the speed limit on the freeway, or your mom, your mama did, or your daddy did, or your uncle did, your grandpa, your grandma, someone did, at the speed of what? 80. 82 miles per hour? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Like, this is, this is your time, right? Right now. No, check it out. The speed limit on the freeway is what? 65, right? 65 miles per hour, right? Which is pretty fast, right? It's pretty fast. But you got in that car, and what did you do? First thing you did. Besides checking your phone. Like, come on. What? Seatbelt. You're like, shoot, click. And then what did you do after that? What? You turn music on, and then you sat on your phone and drove at the same time. Oh, guys, no. Don't do that, right? Some of you guys have all the faith. Can you be like, I don't live by faith. No, no, literally, you're driving 65 miles per hour 
or 85, whatever, like on the freeway with your phone in your hand. Don't do that. Parents, if you're watching, I told them, don't do that. Like, this is what you're supposed to be doing, right? You get in this vehicle and then you drive at that speed and you do not think twice that you would not reach Calvary Community Church for the 5 p.m. service. You didn't think twice. By faith, you got in. And you put your faith in a seatbelt, right? And then air thing, cushion, balloon. There you go. Thank you. Airbag, English. Right? Like you have all this faith in these things. And so the, the Greek word for the word faith is pistis. And what it means is this, to have full, like put your full weight on it. Now, I weigh about what? Y'all going to be able to offend me right now. But anyway, I weigh about what? A hundred and something. 85, thank you. Somewhere in the crowd. Just kidding. <laughs> and I sit down with my 85 pounds of like, you know, African man, just sat down, right, on this chair. And I have full confidence that this chair is going to hold my weight. I didn't think twice about it. Many of you guys did that as well. And so what God is saying is this. Just be obedient. Just go out and just do it. Just trust him. You don't save people, but he will. All you got to do is ask. Put it out there. Hey, do you want to know about Jesus? One of the ways I heard Pastor Brian say this at one point was this. I think it was a summer camp or winter camp um, or some conversation. He said, you know, um, one way you could ask people is this. It's like, dude, um, I've known you for like two years. And I'm sorry I never, I never invited you to church. People would be like, what? You're sorry you never invited? Yeah. Because I, I feel like you're missing out on like all the goodness, and the family, and the community that's here. And the nine square. Do you know what nine square is? Like, oh my gosh. Like, like it's, it's an apologetic way to invite people to come to be a part of what God is doing in people's lives. And what God wants us to do is this. He wants people who are this, who have this acronym. And if you guys have never seen this acronym, welcome. It's an acronym called H-A-T, which spells HAT. Y'all are really smart, man. Um, which is this. H is humble, being available, and then being teachable. Humble, available, and teachable. What does God want from you Like to, in your act of inviting people? How does he want you to do it? By being humble, being available, and being teachable. One, humble means this. To acknowledge it's not going to be easy, but then put your faith in God. Okay? That's just being real. It's just keeping the buck. Like, it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to put my faith in God. So our faith is not in prayer. Our faith is in God who answers prayer. Does that make sense? Our faith is not in camp. Does that make sense? Because some people are like, camp's magical. Camp is magical, all right? Okay, I'm going to say it right now. But our faith is not in the area. Our faith is that God will meet us if we come in with expectation. So we put our faith in our God. Two, pray for God to put people in your path. Like, have you prayed that prayer? God, God, give me someone that I can share this gospel with. Yo, that's some powerful prayer right there. Because you guys be praying for, like, iPhones. and be praying for, like, grades. and pray. Like, yo, pray that people get to know who God is. Like, imagine what God would do. Do you think God will answer that prayer? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Be available. That's what it means to be available. Actively seek relationship with people you don't know. Okay? Right? So 
This is where we have our summer nights or our after parties. So you get to meet people and befriend people and become part of their family. Like I expect in the next few years, 15, 20 years, whatever, to do some weddings of you guys. Like I expect in years from now to be at graduations with you guys. Like I expect to be at your dinner table. Seriously, I really do. I don't, I, don't, I don't hope, my expectation is not that our relationship ends in this place. Like, oh my gosh, there was that one guy from Africa. He was our youth pastor for like four years and that was it. Like, heck no. No, dude, I want to be there. I want to be there. I want to be like, oh my gosh, I remember your mom when she was, you know, 16. And she had a really bad haircut back then. But now, like, hey, <laughs> yo, I want to be there to roast you. Like, but you have to be in a place where you have a relationship when you know people, understand them. So you yourself have to show yourself what? Friendly, right? Seek people out, right? Show yourself friendly. Two, go to every church event. Praise God. Oh my, come on. Hand clap for that one. No, I'm being serious. Like in my, in my like growing up as a young man, I'm 31, still young, but you know, um, Going to every single church event that our church put on, like, really gave me opportunity to meet people and also grow in boldness to invite people. We have people who've gone on mission trips who just met the Lord. Like, they just got saved and said, oh, my gosh, there's a mission trip to this country. I'm going to go. And they went. And God used them. God used them. They weren't saved for months or years. They recently got saved and they were on a mission trip. Think about that. Go to every single opportunity that we present to you to meet people. And as the worship team comes up, here's the last one, to be teachable, right? And this is what it means to be teachable. Grow in the word. Grow in the word. Love the word of God. The Bible says of Job that Job desired God's word more than necessary food. Some of y'all are worried about Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. But this man was like, yo, more than food? I want the word of God. I want to know him. I want to love him. And I recommend if you've not read the Bible or, you know, jumped into this text before to read the book of John. It's 21 chapters, 21 days. If, if, if you're even a slow reader or your life is super fast, which I think that's not really true because you make time for things that you value, 21 weeks. Like, you can just do it. Grow in community. Like, spend time to utilize this group of people, these people who love you, who are like-minded. And then the third one is this, serve the body. Now, I would not be mad if any of you guys in this room decided not to come for a 9 or 11 a.m. service because you were serving in the church. Like, whether you were serving here or somewhere else, serving special abilities, serving EC, I would not be mad at all. Like, Pastor Aaron, what happened to our 9-11 m service? Like, what's happened with that? Well, guess what? All the kids are serving. They're loving like Jesus. They're inviting people into the heart of God. And then see you guys in the evening. And just like, dude, how was it? There's some of you who I see week after week after week faithfully serving. My heart as a pastor gets so full to see that consistency. Because you're a people who've chosen to be humble, to be available, and to be teachable. And God will honor that because you understand the weight of the gospel, that God has saved you and he wants you to be a part of this process of inviting others to be saved.
as well. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this time and thank you for um, the power of your gospel, but also the fact that you have saved us. Man, unlikely ragtag group of people in this room, but you have loved us. The word says you've set your affections on us. There's nothing else that you value more than us. And Lord, we thank you. The greatest gift that you could ever give us was yourself and you did it in Jesus. Help us to live like that, Lord. Now withholding anything to others. Help us get the boldness to share this love with other people so they can experience who you are. We thank you and we praise you. Now God's people say...